Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. My name's Bill. I'm the pastor of Emmaus Road Guildford. If you are visiting, we are so thrilled that you have chosen to come and spend some of your day uh, with us. We're going to uh, jump straight in. We're going to look at a passage from the Bible. This is Genesis 26, and it's verses 16 to 22. That's Genesis 26, verses 16 to 22. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same name his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerah quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water's ours. So he named the well Essek because they, dis- they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named that Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So a couple of weeks ago, Pete shared with us the vision for the next year. He talked about um, going deep, digging wells of prayer. He talked about building altars for worship. And he talked about pitching tents, in other words, gathering as a community. So he's talking about this year as a church, we want to go deeper in prayer. We feel called as a church community to be a house of prayer for all nations. And we're busy working out what that looks like, how we do that, how we dig deeper into that. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Then he talked about pitching tents and the importance of worship. We want to be a community where worship is alive, where as we worship, we encounter God. And then he talked about pitching tents and and growing together as a community. One of the challenges as we get bigger as a church is making sure we all know each other and we're all friends uh, with each other. I was in Woking just now and I turned to the person, the people sat next to me and said, oh, have you been long? And they said, boo, we've been here since the beginning. And I said, oh, right, what, since September? They go, we were here since the lighthouse. And I was like, wow, they have been, they have pitched their tent. They are, they are in it for the long run. And one of the challenges is, is it gets harder, which is why um, collectives are so important. Uh, Over half the church is now in a collective. If you're not in a collective, it's a midweek group where we get to just uh, grow deeper in friendship with each other, where we get to um, pray for each other, where we get to uh, study a little bit of God's word together, mostly where we get to have a whole lot of fun together. So if you're not in one, do uh, fill in a Get Connected card if you haven't already, or ping us an email, info at mayasroad.com, and we will do everything we possibly can to help you, if you'd like, get connected into the life of the church. So this year, digging wells, building altars, pitching tents. And this morning, I am going to talk about uh, digging wells. A few years ago, um, a couple of, I was at, I saw, when I was at Vicar Factory, as we call it, back, you know, back at uni, studying to be a vicar, um, two of my friends uh, met and fell in love, which was lovely. And then uh, they decided to get married. 
And the thing was, they were both students, so um, it was all sort of slightly on a wing and a prayer and, you know, rubbing two coins together. And then the most amazing thing happened. Um, they didn't know what they were going to do about their honeymoon. And, and uh, this is absolutely true. They won a, uh, a honeymoon in the Maldives. Um, and uh, we were all thrilled for them. And so they thought, well, that's great. We've got a trip to the Maldives. But, but other than fish, food in the Maldives is quite ex expensive. If, if, um, I'd be, I went to the Maldives on my honeymoon, actually. Um, but um, it is the most beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places on the earth, I think. And anyway, so th they thought, well, if we're going, we, wanna, we, don't, we haven't got any money. So what are we going to do? So what they did was they, they, do you know what, no one in working knew what I was talking about. So have any of you ever had those things where you put your clothes in this bag and then you attach a hoover and suck all the air out? Oh, good, good. Well, they didn't know about them in working. So the point of those is it sucks all the air out, so you get loads more clothes in your suitcase. It doesn't mean they're completely creased uh, forever, but at least you get more, more clothes in. So they got, they got a couple of these things and sort of sucked the air out and vacuum-sealed their clothes in one suitcase. In the other suitcase, they stuffed with pot noodles and spam. And so they set off to the Maldives, and they thought, well, if we're going to eat Spam and we're going to uh, have pot noodles, we can't think of a more beautiful place on the planet to do that than in the Maldives. The fact that they were doing it in their student digs uh, the week before sort of all made it all, all the more amazing. So anyway, so they got there, and they had this amazing time. They were on this, this island, and it was 500 meters long and 200 meters wide, which is about kind of roughly the dimensions of, of, uh, dimensions of an athletics track which meant that basically, apparently, they started going for a jog every, um, every morning, and the jogs got faster and faster and faster as they get, they're both quite competitive people. So, um, and then what they'd do at the end of the day, everyone else would disappear off to the restaurant, and they would go into their beach cabin, they'd turn on the kettle, they'd make their pot noodle, and they'd sit there on the steps of their beach cabin, and they would watch the sun go down eating pot noodles or Spam. And, but they decided on the last night of the holiday, they were going to throw caution to the wind. That's what a credit card's for, right? And, and just go mad. So they, 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 they booked a table at the restaurant, and they thought, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it properly. So I don't know what the equivalent of the most expensive thing on the menu was, but like the equivalent of like an amazing steak or something. It wouldn't have been a steak in the Maldives, but whatever it was. And so they went to town. They ate like kings, and they just thought, well, you know, we've got a few months to pay this off sort of thing. And, and then the next day they had to check out. So they went to check out and they said, you know, we're doing this. And, and then uh, my friend said, oh, can I have the bill for the restaurant? And the guy said to him, oh, it's all inclusive. <laughs> Will was in quite a lot of trouble. If only he had looked at the terms and conditions, if only he had known what was on offer, they would have had, they had an amazing holiday, but they would have had an amazing holiday with amazing food. <laughs> this gift, he had only been half accessed, it had only been half used. And life can so often be like that, can't it? We take half the gift, but not the whole gift. We take some of what God's offered us, but not all of what God has offered us. And I don't know about you, I don't want to get to the end of my life having sat on the beach eating pot noodles, realizing I could have sat and had a feast every night, so to speak. 
but so often we do that. So that's why we're talking about digging wells. How can we make sure we get the most out of everything that God has for us? We need to take hold of the promises that he has for us, for our families, for our community, and we need to activate them. And that's not just a passive thing. We actually need to take hold of them and wrestle with them and and fight for them sometimes. I'm going to talk about that in a second. So the first thing I want to look look at is unblocking ancient wells. In the story we've just heard, the first thing that Isaac does is he starts by unblocking the wells that his father had set down. Now the point is, God made twice as many promises to Isaac as he did to Abraham. But unless he drunk from a well, he would die. And it would all be for nothing. So unblocking a well, finding a well, digging a well, was really, really important for their survival, much less anything else. No water, no promises, because you're dead. Drinking water is important. A couple of our friends, one of our, some of our friends, they've got a well in their garden. I was so excited. I was around there a couple of days ago, and it's like one of those proper, like, quaint ones with, a, like, a nice thatched roof, not thatched roof, sort of tiled roof. It was amazing. And we opened it up and looked down. It is really deep. And right down the bottom, there was water, and it was amazing. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is the most incredible thing. And I'm speaking about this on Sunday. And I, we must never lose our sense of wonder of the fact that wells are available to us, and let's uncover them. So let's talk about unblocking the ancient wells for our area. Let's start by talking about Guildford. Let's talk about the promises that God has made for Guildford. And the way that we're going to do this is we're going to travel back in time and we're going to look at a couple of things because what we're interested in is what is God's redemptive story for this place. Now, that, that's a terribly technical way of saying what's God done in the, what has happened in the past and how could God use that to begin to show us what he wants to do in the present? How he could subvert and tightly turn on its head some of the things that have happened in the past so that he could do something amazing now. So, a little brief history of Guildford for you. So, originally, uh, Guildford has its origins in the Saxon roots, and uh, it was named Guildford in about the 10th century, or Geldford in the 11th century. Now, Geld, for those of you who don't know, means gold. And there is a discussion amongst people who are interested in languages whether Guildford is called Guildford, Guildford was called Guildford because there was gold in the ground or because on the banks of the River Way there's sand. But the point is gold is right there at the beginning of the story of Guildford. So hold on to that. Think about that as one jigsaw piece. The second thing is it was the site of the Royal Mint from about 987 to midway through William the Conqueror's reign. So think about this. The currency for the nation was forged here. Money was created here that was sent out and used across the whole nation. So hold on to that puzzle piece. Originally, the Harrow Way, which is also known as the Pilgrim's Way, which ran from Winchester to Canterbury, ran through Guildford. So pilgrims on their way, on a journey, would stop in Guildford and they would be equipped and resourced and empowered to keep on their journey. Hold on to that jigsaw piece. In 1509, a grammar school was built. And in 1552, it gained royal assent, the Royal Grammar School. So education is right in the heart of the story of Guildford, Goldford, Guildford. The place where money is generated, where pilgrims come and pilgrims go, and people are quipped. If you're interested in cricket, the first ever recorded game of, hist- of cricket in history was recorded as happening in Guildford in 1550. So that, how about that? 
1619, George Abbott, the bishop, built almshouses where the poorest people in our community would be housed and looked after and treated with dignity. Hold that jigsaw piece. Put it together. You're beginning to see a picture emerge of this place where we live, where we call home, where God has called us to be in this time. Where resources are taken, where money is distributed. Think we've just had gift. You've all given so generously, and it's not too late if you haven't given to, 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 uh, to give. But you have been so generous, and you have given, you have trusted us with your money so that we can step out and do what we believe that God has called us to do. So we, money has been taken, has been redeemed, is being used in an amazing way. Think about the fact that pilgrims come from all over the world. They come, they're part of the vision course. People come and visit this church because they want to be equipped and empowered, particularly in prayer, on their journey. We are a resourcing church for 24-7 prayer. We're at the heart of the Boiler Room Network. We believe in uh, education and the importance of uh, making a difference, particularly in schools, which is why we partner with the Matrix Trust. Which why, it's why we're, we're looking at more and more ways to get involved in local schools, redeeming the story, changing the shape of young people's lives uh, in, a, in a captive place like a school. Think about what's happening, like George Abbott built almshouses. We are right at the heart of this amazing ministry that's happening in Woking that we want to bring and increase and grow in Guildford. Loving and caring for and helping the most at risk, the most poor people in the community. That is what the Lighthouse does in Woking. That is what Social Transformation is doing across Guildford. That's what we want to do more of. You see what's happened? All these different picture pieces, these little bits of the puzzle, God's taken them and he's just subverted them slightly and is wanting to do something incredible. But it begins with unblocking the well. You know, I don't know if you tracked in that story how many times... Isaac had to move on. He kept unblocking wells and he kept facing opposition. If you are wanting to unblock wells, if you are wanting to do something for God, you are always, always, always going to face opposition. I always find opposition hugely encouraging because it means we're on the right track. If no one's opposing us, it means we haven't got anyone's attention. We're not disrupting anything. Disruption by nature means that you are opposed. So if you are being opposed at the moment, something that you're feeling God calling you to do, be encouraged. God is doing something in and through you. But fight for your well. Find your well. Dig your well. You imagine by the fourth time Isaac gets to a well and starts digging. He must have been so discouraged. He's done this three times already. And every time there's been a battle and he's had to move on. Do not give up. Do not give up. Keep going. He might have thought, I'm not sure I'm very good at building, digging wells. I don't have a great track record in digging wells. But he kept going. Keep going. Do not give up. What are the blessings in your own life? What are the promises that you feel that God has spoken over you? That maybe you need to fight for. Maybe you need to wrestle for. Maybe you're being challenged about um, at the moment. Keep digging. It's in the digging that we're strengthened. Doesn't feel like that at the time. Um, I don't often watch um, the David Attenborough uh, programs, 
But um, I, I was watching one, and it was talking about the dragon butterfly. And have you ever seen a dragon butterfly? I mean, they start life as a fairly ugly-looking caterpillar. But then what happens, they go into this pupa, and they're transformed in this pupa. And then what happens is they have to wrestle their way out of the cocoon. And as they're wrestling their way out of that cocoon, as they, they get out, they spread their wings, and they start to fly. And they did a little experiment. And what they did was, uh, when the butterflies were about to um, hatch, they cut the end of the uh, cocoon open so the butterfly wouldn't have to wrestle. It would just come out all nice and easy. And do you know what happened to the butterfly? Every single butterfly got to the end, slipped at the edge, fell uh, and, and died, hit the ground and died. Because it was in the wrestle that its wings were strengthened. For some of us in here, it is in the wrestle, in the struggle of digging our wells that actually God is strengthening us in that moment. Do not be discouraged. It's easy to say that in hindsight. But do not be discouraged. Keep digging your well. Keep digging your well. Prayer is a key part of this. Dig your well in prayer. No well, no water, no life. We die. It's the most important thing that we can do for ourselves, for everybody we interact with, is to make sure we are digging our wells. Digging deep in prayer to God. Isaac keeps digging. So easy to stop digging or not to dig, isn't it? I don't know about you. My life is fairly busy. Not as busy. I know some of you here have, I don't, I don't, I don't want to look at your diaries, but have crazy busy lives. But it's so easy, isn't it? So, you know what? I know I should be digging my well, but I got bum, 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 bum happening today. And I went to bed really late and um, I'll do it later. And then later comes, but the day is sort of taken on a life of its own, and it's like a snowball route moving rapidly downhill. And, and you can't stop it. And you can, like, how do you, how do you dig your well in the middle of a crazy day when things are coming at you from all angles? Do not let busyness become an excuse for not digging your well. That is not to make anyone feel guilty, by the way. But equally, don't let it be an excuse. Do not let busyness be an excuse. Maybe Isaac thought, you know what? I've made a bit of a mess of it. I've lied about this and this and this. and anything. Uh, If you know anything about the story of Isaac, he's a complex character. And it's so easy to let shame or guilt stop us digging our wells. Either uh, thinking, well, God doesn't really, he's not going to listen to me because I've done this or I did that and, and I'm not sure he really loves me anyway. And my, uh, or to say, disqualify us, I say, well, I'm not really sure I'm very good at praying. We don't know if Isaac was good at digging wells or not. All we know is he had a lot of practice. Grace, 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 but don't let that become an excuse for inertia. Maybe you think, you know what, I, I, I want to dig a well, but I don't think my prayers make a difference. I mean, I know about Pete, um, and I know about Sammy, and, and, and I know about all sorts of Isway, and when they pray, you know, sort of, you know, the heavens shake, but when little old me prays, I'm not really sure it makes any difference at all. God's quite busy, and I'm quite low down his list. Rubbish. Every prayer makes a difference. You know what, yesterday, I was watching... Um, um, I was watching a cricket game, and I got talking to some of our um, friends. Uh, I got talking to a, a friend. That's just all coming out wrong. I'm all tongue-tied now. So I got talking to the parents of a friend of ours. There we go. And um, she, is, she was a physio and because she, you know, she, and she wants people's bodies to be well. And she, she said to me, do you know what? She's a Christian. She said, I just decided I, I believe that God could do more. And she's not saying that being a physio isn't important, but she said she's chased after healing. She's like, I believe that God has called me to pray for people for healing. And so I was talking to her about it. She says, would you mind if I pray? What's their name? Would you mind if I And she's digging a well. She's taken her context, and she's thinking, I can, I can do what I'm called to do, and I can do even more. 
I can dig wells for other people. I can pray for healing. I can claim healing for other people. There are people in this church, uh, and they are desperate to help people see breakthrough in their lives. They are helping them dig wells for themselves. So how do we, how do we, how do, we do this practically? Sometimes get over ourselves, sometimes give ourselves a little bit of grace. But at some point, we've actually got to, we've got to dig. Now, in case you haven't worked it out by now, I get distracted very easily. And I, um, my, well, let me put it like this. When I was small, I used to see a social worker because I was so naughty. Um, I wasn't like malevolent or anything like that, but I was just like hyper. And I used to jump out of moving cars, climb out of windows, um, put the hose on in the sitting room because I wanted to be a fireman, all this kind of stuff. And um, my poor mum. And I had a social worker, and do you know what? She resigned not just from being a social worker, not just from being my caseworker. I used to have one of those gold star charts, you know, like, um, and you had to say, uh, and my problem was it was all always black with black marks. So, um, so I had to say, and if I got a gold star, it was, or I had to get three colored stars, and then I got a gold star, which was so infrequent. Um, and I don't even really know why I'm telling this story anymore. Um, totally lost my train of thought. Anyway, um, I've remembered my point now, and that now I've forgotten it again. Um, the, the, the point is, I get distracted really easily. <laughs> and, and so um, I, I used to, like, I, I really believe in 24-7, well, I believe in Jesus. But I loved prayer rooms, and I used to sit in a prayer room, and I'd be like, for about two minutes, and I'd be like, and then I'd be like, and then I'd sort of be... And then you could sort of draw on the walls. I mean, it's in, you know, there were walls that you could draw on. I didn't just start randomly drawing on walls. I did that as a child, but I have grown out of that. Um, and, um, and, then, and what I've worked out is, for me, in order to dig a well, I need to go for a walk. So every morning, or most mornings, as often as I can, I dig my well by getting out of the house and going for a walk and spending time with Jesus that way. Understand your temperament. Understand how you're wired. I know I've talked about this before. In it, find your chair. Where do you dig your well? How do you dig your well? For some people, they, they, one, of my, one of my friends said, Phil, do you just walk all day? Um, I said, no, I just walk early. Um, I am thinking about putting together a calendar of my, my top pictures, if you've ever seen Instagram. One of my friends said, it's great, Bill, but I feel like every picture is like of the same bit of the old railway, just near Bramley. So, so find a way to dig your well. For some people, it's in the gym. I've got a friend, and he does his most effective digging of his well when he's on the treadmill. Other people, uh, they dig their well on the bus on the way to work, or on the bike on the way to work, or in the car on the way to work. Or uh, uh, Other people, one of my friends, actually, the best time for him to dig his well is late at night, because once the sun's up, he's like, paching, he's awake. And so actually, when the sun goes down and everyone's quiet in the house, that's when he spends time digging his well. But do you know what I've learned? is the best way to work out what you value is to see how you spend your time. That is one of the, uh, how you spend your time and how you spend your money, the clearest indicator of what your priorities are. Some of it is choosing to prioritize, digging your well. So however you do it, work out how, it, how you dig your well. But dig it. Start. One shovel after another shovel. Keep, keep going. So we think about if that's digging our private wells and taking hold of the promises. The only way we'll take hold of the promises and the, and the blessing that God has, made, has spoken over us is in prayer. 
That is where we fight for it. That's where we claim, claim it. That's where God begins to change us when we're in his presence. But let's just spread it out, not just to think about us, but think about us as a church community. You don't, Isaac wasn't just digging a well for himself. He was digging a well for the community that traveled with him. Other people could come and could drink from the well. So as a church, as I've already said, we feel passionately called to be a house of prayer for all nations. Now that sounds great. Working out how we do that and what that looks like has taken some time. Because we want to do it properly. We want to dig a decent well. We want to make a good job of it. There's loads of different ways as a church that that is reflected in our culture and in our DNA. So we have prayer weeks where you can, we've got one coming up where you can book an hour in the prayer room. There's a collective that do, during that, during that week, they do prayer walks for people like me. So they book their hour in the prayer room. Some of them stay in the prayer room. Most of them go for a walk. A, not just a random walk. You know, they go walking around Guildford sort of praying for, for Guildford. Because we, we believe our prayers unlock things, claim, begin to unlock the redemptive story God has for this town. So as we walk, as they walk, they pray. So we do prayer weeks. We do kingdom come evenings. We've got an amazing opportunity in a few weeks on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, there's Thy Kingdom Come, which is this event held at Guildford Cathedral um, where all the different churches and all the different denominations, all the different streams, all the different expressions get together and we gather together as, a, as the family of God to pray and declare over Guildford what we believe God is saying. So at six o'clock in the evening, I really want to encourage you to, to come along. It's going to be a brilliant, brilliant night. One of the exciting things that happens every now and again, we meet people and we are like, we need that person to be a part of us because what they bring will, make, will, will take us to the next level. And so it's so exciting to have Jill Weber coming to be with us in, at the end of July. Now, you, many of you have met Jill, you've heard her speak. Uh, she is a force of nature, uh, an amazing, amazing lady. She's still at the Greater Ontario House of Prayer, which is also called Go Hop, which is a lot easier to get your head around, your tongue around. Um, and um, this is a monastic community, and she is going to come to Guildford at the end of July, and she is going to help us to really grow the momentum that has started to build around prayer. She is going to help us. She is, what she's going to bring is different languages of prayer, different expressions of prayer. What we're really excited and keen to do over the next year or so, particularly, is to, is to broaden our diet. I love Thy Kingdom Come. I love Kingdom Come evenings. I love prayer weeks. But what she brings is an expertise in different forms of prayer that are going to help each one of us and us as a church dig deeper, dig deeper wells. So when she comes, if you're even remotely interested in prayer, Invite her out for a coffee, and she will, she will do everything she can to equip you and empower you. Because you know what? I do not want to get to the end of my honeymoon, having eaten pot noodles and spam on the beach, to find out that I could have eaten at the restaurant the whole time. I do not want to get to the end and realize that I only half dug a well because I got busy or I felt guilty whatever it is. So I want to encourage us as a church. This is a season to be really intentional. What I'm learning in my own life is, the, is first of all about priorities, second is about intention. 
we build or we grow or we dig what we intend to build or grow or dig. And in this season, we are intending to dig deep wells. Would you like to stand? I'm going to invite the band to come up. And what we're going to do is we're just going to, I'm going to pray for us. First thing that I love us to, a group of people I love us to pray for, is, do you remember right at the beginning I was saying that, um, I was saying that oftentimes it's, it's when we can get discouraged when we're opposed, and actually being opposed is actually one of the most exciting things because it means that we are disrupting something that is upsetting someone and we should be encouraged rather than discouraged. Now, there are going to be people in here who are facing opposition because they are digging deep wells. They are disrupting the ground. And if that's you, we want to pray for you. That's the first category of people. The second category of people are people who know they should be digging wells. And I don't, I don't mean should in a religious sense, but they, they, in their hearts they just know, oh, I could be doing this. And it's just an area that has been neglected, for maybe for a really good reason, or maybe for a really bad reason, but it's been neglected. And because of that, you're thirsty, without water. We can go a long time without food. We can go very little time without water. And we just sense a part of us is beginning to die because we haven't dug that well and we haven't drunk from it. That's the second category of people. The third category of people I would love us to pray for are people who are like, yes, this, yes, come on, let's get on with it, Bill, stop talking, I know all this, just, and if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. So the way that we're going to do this is, if you are here and you are facing opposition because you are breaking ground, if you are want, you're wanting to, to move from inertia to action in terms of digging your well, or if you're here and you're like, get a move on, let's dig on massive wells, I'm going to invite you to put your hand up. And there's no pressure to put your hand up. But if you put your hand up, you are signaling to me, to us, and to God that you are serious about moving forward in this. So don't, please don't do it lightly. I don't often say this, but don't do it lightly. The Bible is really clear. Consider your cost. Thank you. Someone's hands up already. Um, um, consider the cost. Consider, like, is this something you are going to be able to do? And what, one way, of, particularly if you're in the second category is to start small. You don't have to, you know, when you start running, you don't run a marathon the first day. You start by running 50 meters or 100 meters, and you build up. But make sure you have a plan to build up. So if you're in any of those categories, you want to put your hand in the air now. Okay. Now just the rest of us, we're going to have a look around. And I'm going to pray, but then what's going to happen is, as the band plays... Uh, keep your hands up, please. The people around you are going to look around you, and they're going to pray for you. We, we are family, so we get to pray for each other. It's not all about the guy at the front praying and all the magic happens kind of thing. It's about us stepping and walking with each other and helping each other and standing with each other. Next week, when you see someone you pray for, say, hey, how's the digging the well going? Has it been a better week? So let me pray, and then you're all going to turn and find people around you, and you're going to introduce yourself, you're going to ask what you can pray for, and then you're going to pray. So Father, thank you that some of us are facing opposition. Lord, that's super encouraging. It's super encouraging because it means that we are disrupting things, that you are using us to disrupt things. So Lord, would you give us courage? Lord, for those people who are here and 
and are like, oh, I just need to start. I just have neglected this and I'm starting my, the roof of, roof of my mouth and my tongue just feels dry and I haven't drunk for a long time. Lord, thank you. Give them courage. Give them persistence. Load the grace. Help them to start with start. And Lord, for those people like, stop talking. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would use them and stir them up to stir the rest of us up, Lord, that we would be known as a church that digs extraordinarily deep wells where people can come and drink, where we begin to take hold of the promises that you have for us, for our families and for our town and for our region. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so look around. Keep your hands up. If you're near someone whose hand's up, introduce yourself really quickly. Everyone gets to do this. Ideally, at least one member of the same gender with each person. It can be more than one, but definitely needs to be one person of the same gender. If you're not used to this before and this is all a bit chaotic, welcome.